attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. so cool man i'm just so happy it was straight from a hollywood script last night wasn't it i'm up now okay man that's just music that music just puts a fire in you and you're ready to go three three six seven 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 one six hundred on twitter at sports up triad i mean that in all sincerity last night it Ten years to the day, April 4th, 2009, the Hurricanes clinched a playoff spot. It was Anton Babchuk hitting a shot in overtime to win that game. I didn't realize it until I was watching the broadcast last night. I was actually at that game. I, I, I was at the game the last time the Hurricanes clinched a playoff spot. And it was really cool back then. Following a playoff run, it was very cool to see how many people cared about the sport at that time, and it's been revived again. There's no question about it. I'm trying to regain my breath right now, and it's very difficult to do so, considering the format of this show. Desmond Johnson is the producer of this program. Intern Aaron is in here today as well. I take it neither of you guys watched yesterday's game, because before... We got on the air. Intern Aaron, do you care to tell me how you pronounce the star player's name for the Carolina Hurricanes? <laughs> whoa, wait, wait, whoa. Can he? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he can. Sebastian Aho. Yeah. That's not correct? It, it, it is not. That's not the proper no, pronunciation. It, it is Sebastian Aho. Ah. That's how it's pronounced. So it really is an interesting deal we have here. I see the amount of people who are interested in the success of this team and – how far the team has come in a 10-year stretch. But then I look into the control room, and I see just complete disinterest, where Des, neither Des nor intern Aaron really follow hockey, and it doesn't seem like you guys understand what I'm talking about here. You don't get why this is so significant and why somebody like me might be emotional seeing what happened MPNC Arena last night. Just just the sheer poetic nature of how it transpired. Justin Falk, 
he had the game-winning goal. Justin Falk has been on the team for eight years now. He's been a U.S. Olympian, and he's never competed in the postseason. So he's finally going to get a chance to do so. Rod Brindamore was the captain of the team the last time the Hurricanes made the playoffs. That's how long it's been. Jordan Stahl, he was on that Penguin team that the Hurricanes beat the clinch uh, the last time. Jordan Stahl's been a Hurricane for six or seven years. No playoffs, of course, with the Hurricanes in that time. This season, it's made me emotional, and it culminated last night, and I'm not even ashamed to say it. It was a very cool thing. It was maybe the happiest sports has made me in over three years. When I was in Colorado and saw the Panthers go to the Super Bowl, it was a cool thing to follow. Knowing some people who covered the team, knowing some of the players and covering the Panthers tentatively at the time, that was pretty cool. But just all of the details matter. The details that lead to us following a hockey team that's now in the postseason. And, of course, it's March Madness weekend, too. So intern Aaron is back with his sports poetry. Get in here, intern Aaron. Back due to popular demand, we learned when we were doing North Carolina basketball sports poetry, slam poetry, that intern Aaron had a gift. So he then previewed the Elite Eight matchups a week ago. He previewed the Elite Eight. And so I figure it only makes sense to get him in here to do the final four as well. And maybe if you do a good job today, intern Aaron will have you back on Monday to give us a championship preview for whoever is going to win uh, tomorrow night. So I cannot see you guys. Like it, Des like, can't see us <laughs> in the studio. Intern Aaron, I don't know why he does this. He, he turns down the lights in order to deliver the sports poem that he has, the poetry preview, we'll call it. It's, it's intern Aaron's poetry preview. It requires a jazzy music, jazzy music nature. Do you have that music we can, we can preview very quickly here? Ah, oh, yes. So this is how we preview the basketball games in the final four for this weekend. I'm going to give the floor to intern Aaron. Go right ahead. I call this one. I call this one. T to the Izzo. Guns up. Let's ride. The Red Raiders in the final four. An unlikely surprise. Back to the fizzo. Goes T to the Izzo. Looking to become a two-time Woo! national champion. Clock is ticking. Izzo knows time is a wasting. Looking to bum, looking to once again make Sparty the best in the nation. That was good. Good, good, buddy. Well done, intern Aaron. Yeah, that was great. So we'll get a preview for. Auburn and Virginia a little bit later on. That music is just so calming. It's a lot different than what we started the segment with. Petey Pablo, when you're coming up with music that makes you want to act a fool and get in fights, Petey Pablo is pretty high up on that list. Has to be, right? Yeah, I thought, well, 
that song, yeah, I'd throw P.D. Pablo. Onyx is usually the go-to for Onyx, me. yeah. I'd throw some Onyx out there if you want to just stomp If you play Nuck, if you buck. Yeah. Any crime mob. Oh, God, anything by Bone Crusher. Anything from Atlanta from 2000 to 2005, you're probably going to want to get in a fight. This is going to be a very <laughs> strange show today because we do have the Final Four. We have the Hurricanes. The team owner for the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, is going to be with us during today's show. And because we, it is March Madness, even though it's April, we're going to talk to John Cusack, too. Yes, that John Cusack. Why? Because we can. And do you want to hear from John Cusack? I do. I do. Sure. I don't remember. the. I've never talked to John Cusack before. I'm a big fan of John Cusack's. I like him. So we're going to do that on today's show as well. Dave Gorin in studio, Jessica Luther. We're going to talk some very serious topics with Jessica Luther, uh, Luther when, he, when she joins us later on this hour. The Drive is broadcast live at the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios. So neither of you guys watched the Hurricanes game last night. What were you watching? Um, Thursday night is uh, Hulu date night for me and the Mrs. Jennifer. So uh, we watched Empire and we watched Star What will it take in order to get you guys fired up for real about this playoff run? I mean, I don't know. Uh, they win two games in the first series. Yeah, if they're, I mean, if they're winning and you start to feel that kind of groundswell, I guess, for them. I mean, I'll probably try to check out a little bit of it during the playoffs. Um, I just don't know a lot about hockey. I try to stay away from things I don't know a lot about. Although all my friends tell me that I need to go to a hockey game live to really get the experience. and It's the best be sport to attend in person. That's what, that's what people keep telling me. So It is. I wasn't hooked on hockey until I went to a game in person. And that completely changed it all. Live hockey is an incredible thing. And one other thing I want to say on the Hurricanes making the postseason. Going to a Stanley Cup, winning a Stanley Cup, that did not validate North Carolina as a hockey market. It didn't. Anybody could support a great team. This drought that we just saw, not just the 10 years, but even before that, 12 of the last 13 since the Stanley Cup, the Hurricanes have not made the playoffs. 12 of the last 13 seasons. This drought, I think, validated this state as a hockey market. The fans... We've seen it before. Franchises that were delicate, franchises that struggled, that lost their teams. In non-traditional markets, I don't care what sport you're talking about. In hockey, Atlanta would probably be the best example. They had a fine arena, Phillips Arena. They just didn't have support for the Thrashers because they never won a playoff game over there. But the fans being there last night and being prevalent, and even here in the triad, seeing... How many people are at sports bars? How many people are out talking about this team? Looking at my Twitter mentions. Some of the people who I talk to who listen to the show. Hockey fans. Hurricanes fans. Thrilled that the team is good again. The fans being here and being engaged after 12 of the last 13 seasons not having a playoff team to talk about, I think that validates this state and this brand of hockey That is unique. It's special and unique. Last night, the tailgating effect. There was national media that was in the Hurricanes parking lot, and they were surprised at what they were seeing. 
how many people were outside and tailgating and, and, and the sheer amount of food. It was like a, f- a college football game they were getting ready for. That's what makes us unique, what makes our brand of hockey and how we support it special. So we're on to the playoffs now, and we're going to follow this team pretty closely as they make a run because we're not just watching Hurricanes history. We're watching North Carolina sports history play out right in front of us. And somebody who's spent pretty much my entire life in this state, that matters to me more than anything else. Coming up, my expectations for the Final Four tomorrow night. This is The Drive. This is The Sports Hub. Are you At AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I've mentioned a handful of times that I'm a big fan of women's basketball and the Final Four is this weekend. I used to cover women's hoops traveling with East Carolina women's basketball and they were in the American Athletic Conference. They still are. So I had a chance to run into who many people believe to be the best coach in women's basketball history, even though it might be a 1A, 1B situation if you consider Pat Summit as well. Gino Ariyama with the Connecticut Huskies, but Gino hasn't won a national title the last handful of years, and somebody who has is Muffet McGraw. She's the head coach of the defending champion Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and she had comments last week that stirred up some people when she said that she wouldn't hire another man on her staff because of the inequities that seem to exist within not just women's college basketball, but all of college basketball. So a reporter asked her about it earlier this week and asked her about her stance on her comments. And Muffin McGraw, she walked into that room and she had her guns loaded. Did you know that the Equal Rights Amendment was introduced in 1967 and it still hasn't passed? We need 38 states to agree that Discrimination on the basis of sex is unconstitutional. We've had a record number of women running for office and winning, and still we have 23% of the House and 25% of the Senate. I'm getting tired of the novelty of the first American, the first female governor of this state, the first female African-American mayor of this city. When is it going to become the norm instead of the exception? She went further She had the statistics there, obviously, but went even further to discuss the message that it sends. When when you have women, younger women, looking for role models, and there aren't many of them in leadership positions. We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. Girls are socialized to know when they come out, gender roles are already set. Men run the world. Men have the power. Men make the decisions. It's always the men that is the stronger one. And when these girls are coming out, who are they looking up to to tell them that that's not the way it has to be? And where better to do that than in sports? All these millions of girls that play sports across the country, they could come out every day, and we're teaching them great things about life skills, but wouldn't it be great if we could teach them to watch how women lead? This is a path for you to take to get to the point where in this country we have 50% of women in power. The problem is very 
sophisticated. It's hard to find a solution. I think that's probably the most difficult thing. There's no easy fix here. As Let's play one more clip from Muffet McGraw. McGraw. Uh, as she outlines here, trying to talk about what the root of the issue might be. Right now, less than 5% of women are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So yes, when you look at men's basketball and 99% of the jobs go to men, why shouldn't 100 or 99% of the jobs in women's basketball go to women? Maybe it's because we only have 10% women athletic directors in Division One. People hire people who look like them. And that's the problem. I'm, I want to bring in Jessica Luther to talk about this. We, we may have had her on before to talk about other issues and inequities in sports. She's covered this topic very delicately and intensively. She had the book on sportsmanlike conduct, college football, and the politics of rape. So you've heard what Buffett McGraw had to say here, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. What, um, what's, what strikes you about what Muffet McGraw is saying, being that she's a coach for the defending champs in that sport, but resides in a sport where probably the most recognizable figure is a man and Gino Ariema. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on to talk about this. I, I love Muffet for doing this right now. I want to give a shout out to my friend. She's a co-host of my podcast, Burn It All Down, Lindsay Gibbs. She's the one who wrote the piece for Think Progress, where Muffet first said, no, she's never hiring a man again. We sort of set off all of these um, subsequent comments. Um, I mean, what do you say? Like, I, I don't have a problem with anything that she has to say here. I think it's great that she's out there putting this forward. Um, of course, the idea that there's going to be 100 or 100% women, 99% women coaching women's ball, like everyone knows that's never going to happen. But just forcing people to have this conversation and to really address the inequity within sport any time that we can bring that up. I mean, they did a segment on the Today Show about the women's Final Four because of Muffin McGraw making these comments. Uh, President Obama tweeted about this today. Like, this is probably, like, when was the last time that women's ball got this kind of coverage and people were talking about inequity in coaching? I mean, that's spectacular. I love it. Right. And here's, here's the pushback that people tend to have on it, though. They say, I'm not sure if you were taught this as a kid, but I certainly was, that two rights don't make a wrong when you're talking about a coach not wanting to hire somebody from the other sex. Uh, but it seems like to me, this is it's coming from a place of her not having a choice. She doesn't feel like there's a choice for her when you look at wanting to have more women hired in the sport. But if the men aren't hiring women, and we're at a place where the women aren't even hiring women as much as they probably should either, then what's going to happen? What is the future outlook? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that people are really mad at her for saying this. I think that's so telling because the thing is is that most of the time, the thing that she is getting at in all these comments is that most of the time, men only hire men and no one says anything about it and people don't get up in arms. And if you say and you point out that that is sexist, people get mad at you. But I mean... I, I live, you know, I'm on social media. I'm a woman who has an opinion. And I've gotten so many people saying, like, Muppet McGraw is the, she's the sexist. This is the problem. Um, and, of course, it's like, that's ridiculous. Um, and so, I don't know. I think it's just so interesting that this is happening all the time. Just most of the time, it's men hiring men. Muppet McGraw dares to, like, say that she makes a point. I mean, like, the one thing that Muppet McGraw can do 
is is hire people, right? She can hire assistants. And so she has done exactly what she says other people should do. She's actually doing the thing that she thinks people should do. Um, and she is encouraging other people to do that too. And I will just point out that Gino Ariama, for being the most famous face in women's basketball, and deservedly so for how good he is at what he does, he only hires women, right? He just doesn't talk about it. Um, and, you know, Gino is... You know, he's difficult to talk about because of sort of his own controversial comments on sexism and sport and that sort of thing. But in his own practice, he does it too. Also, when you're looking at the statistics, it's brought up 99% of men's basketball, college basketball, are men coaches. 99% of coaching jobs are filled by men. I think you have one assistant coach on the uh, the, the main basketball team that, that is a woman right now. And then in women's hoops, you, you look at coaches, I think Tanda Vanderveer was an example brought up at Stanford who has only hired men, male assistants since 1985, and Gino Ariema, as you mentioned, is somebody on the other end of that that's only hired women. So it, it, it's a sophistic, it, it's a very complicated topic to discuss. There's a lot of layers to it. But do you think there is an obvious place to start in trying to figure out the solution here obviously people would go to the NFL and the Rooney rule but I don't know if that even has worked so well in that sport so where do you even begin yeah I think the Rooney rule is a good place to start I think one of the things anytime you're talking about trying to be more diverse or inclusive is you have to be really you have to do it on purpose like you're not going to accidentally you're not going to whoops into having a diverse staff like people hire people who look like them this has you know been studied endlessly and as Muffin McGraw pointed out you know 90% of athletic directors are men Um, most of them are white men Um, and so you know we've had that's why there's a Rooney rule right for diversity um, so that there's more coaches of color in the NFL I do think what you need are initiatives that make people really aware of whether or not their staff is diverse. Like, you have to do it on purpose. You have to make an effort. And I think part of what is so great about what Muffin McGraw has done this week is just thrown that in people's faces, right? So maybe the next time someone goes to hire, in the back of their head, they'll be hearing this sort of fiery speech from Muffin McGraw, and that will just make them think just for a second that they should be making different, they should be aware of how they're making choices. Jessica Luther with us here on the Sports Hub. Follow her on Twitter at Jessica W. Luther. I promised you, if I was going to bring you back, we'd actually talk about the game. Uh, <laughs> yes. Who wins this weekend? Oh, my gosh. That's such a, that is so hard. I, I really want to encourage people listening. Like, if you don't watch women's ball, this is the moment to get into it. I mean, tonight we're going to have Oregon versus Baylor and followed by UConn versus Notre Dame. I mean, everyone expects Baylor to win that against Oregon, but Oregon is like, their offense is spectacular, and they have the one of the best, if not the best player in the country on their team, Sabrina Ionescu. The other game, UConn versus Notre Dame, ESPN's power rankings, how, whatever you call that, they have 50% for both of them. Like, even. We do not know who's going to win that game. These are four spectacular basketball teams. I think it's going to be Baylor. They've been so dominant. But it's just hard to count out any of these teams at this point. I mean, we saw Rike Ugugwale last year for Notre Dame. She hit buzzer beaters for both games, Final Four and Championship. She's been spectacular so far, career high 34 points in one of her last two games. Um, I don't know. It's really hard. But I do, like, my gut says it's probably going to be Baylor because they are just, they are a machine right now. I'm not sure if you'd go as far to say it, but I certainly will. 
the last couple of years, the women's Final Four games have been a lot better than the men's games. The men's games are oh, thrust yeah. into these massive okay. football stadiums, and, and the shooting percentages are down, and the games usually aren't that great. Every year, we tend to get the best teams at the end for the women, and the shooting percentages are great. The, 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 the drama is great. Adam Amin's a friend of ours. He's going to be calling the game, the games tonight mm-hmm. and on Sunday. And every time Adam calls games, there's always buzzer beaters. So uh, if you like buzzer yeah. beaters and good basketball and high shooting percentages, <laughs> uh, that's, that's not a bad place to, to, to look, I think. I agree. I'm I'm very excited. I think um, I'm expecting three really tight games where you really won't know until the end. I, I hope that's what we're going to have again this year. Um, and just to point out to everyone, people who don't follow the game that much, they assume that UConn is just dom is dominant all the time. They have not won in the last two years. They have struggled this year. They lost two. Uh, games during the season which is basically unprecedented for them for years now um and then they have struggled in the tournament they there were a couple close games for UConn so you know everyone's like oh why watch um there's a reason to watch this year and these women have been playing just spectacular basketball it's going to be very fun Jessica thanks for doing this we'll have to do it again sometime soon yeah thank you you got it that's Jessica Luther on Twitter at Jessica W Luther we've got uh Dave Gorin in studio now from the NSMA and the Wake Forest IMG Sports Network, just making a mess of things. Halfway through the interview, I, I mean, just a keyboard falling at our feet, things happening. Was that you who did that or was that me? I don't think it was me, but I'm not sure. I think it was you, I Josh. think it was. I mean, the keyboard is over <laughs> under you. your feet. <laughs> There's only one computer in there. It's in front of you. The keyboard didn't do anything the first 35 minutes of the show, but uh-huh. then Dave Goring gets here. And he sits down, and all of a sudden, the keyboard falls. Just saying. It's in turn Robbie over there. He's from Scotland, you know. Oh. I brought him with Robbie? Me. Is that his name? Yes. Oh, Robbie's from Scotland. Yes. Prove it. Well, let's, let, let's hear the accent. Hello, my name's Robbie. Um, I hope this uh, feels okay so that improves. Yeah. yeah, it, it, that, it, sounds, it, that sounds yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah. It sounds legit. Sounds okay, legit you, you're allowed to hang out here a little longer. <laughs> Just made his American radio debut. <laughs> Wow. To the best of my knowledge. We've got Joe Wiles' specialized calls to get to from last night. And Dave Gordon's going to be hanging out for uh, with us for a little while. So that's coming up next on The Drive. Listen up, everybody. There has been a lot of talk. talk. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Dave Gorin from the National Sports Media Association, Wake Forest IMG Sports Network, is hanging out in studio. A Hurricanes flavor to today's show, I'd say. Could I tell you how disappointed I am that both Dez and intern Aaron, not big Hurricanes fans? This is the team we got to get behind. It's not the Hornets we need to get behind. Because, by God, they've given us no reason to get behind them. Hockey wasn't really uh, something that they, you know, put in front of us a lot as kids. So um, I, <laughs> I'm detecting that cultural divide again. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, we want it. we're happy that they're, they're doing Cross that divide. <laughs> cross it's, the divide. It's the best sport there is. But then again, I imagine, though, when you were growing up in the triad was right around the time that the Hurricanes were in the triad, 1997-98. 
Yeah, so I I graduated high school in 96. So they Ouch. they got they came in the year after I graduated from high school. And you then, went to uh, UNCG. I did go to UNCG. That didn't mean I'm just going to naturally like hockey because it popped up here Did you all of a go sudden. to games at the Coliseum? <laughs> no, no. They were still going underneath the Whalers at that point that first year, right? Or no, they switched the first year in? Yes. No, I didn't get a chance they, to go. They, they were the Hurricanes in 97, 98. And I didn't start UNCG until 2003. So, well, no, excuse me, 99. So, there was a little bit of a gap there. They went to Raleigh what year? The following year, ninety nine was their first year. Yeah, so I just missed them, but uh, so I guess that makes sense. That checks out. But the Carolina Hurricanes—they're in the playoffs for the first time in ten years. Uh, a lot of things for us to do. Yesterday, see, since Dave does a lot of work with broadcasters, in fact, one of his broadcasting students hanging out with us here in studio. Um, I, I want to see if you could critique what we have here. Joe Weil is a pro. Joe Weil is the voice of the Winston Salem Dash. And we carry Dash Baseball on the air Thursday nights. So we have Joe on the show yesterday. We had him on. And we're trying to figure out a way for this show to infiltrate his broadcast. Our show's voice once a week on the Winston-Salem Dash Baseball broadcast. And what we came up with, movie lines. Movie lines that we can throw Joe Wiles' way and see if he can seamlessly incorporate it into his baseball play-by-play. A call and a movie line such as this one right here. The control issues do not get figured out for the Frederick Keys. It will be a long night. But seven walks on the night for the Frederick Keys. And if they're just staring at the walks right now, figuratively they're just saying, I wish I knew how to quit you. Nice. Love it. If you're just listening to the Dash broadcast and you don't know the details, you wouldn't think anything of it, would you? No, not at all. I was actually surprised he was able to do it as seamlessly as he was Polished. able to put it in there. Yeah, Polished. He's a pro. He is. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's great the way he was able to work that in. And we have one more of his calls. Give me the other submission for, uh, from, De- uh, from Joe Weil. The 3-0. Way inside for ball four. And it's off of John Carrillo's right leg. It's just a flesh wound. With that, there's a runner on first with nobody out. You enjoyed that one. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Some Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Six five, six nine with the Afro. <laughs> Gotta get that one in there. Oscar Graham. Is Oscar that next Gamble week? Was Is that next week? Oscar maybe? Gamble. Yeah, six five with the Afro. Maybe we can work that into uh, the broadcast next week. Uh, before we get into what you got going on with the NSMA, I, I want to talk about news from this week that in the in the sports media realm is getting a lot of people talking, and that's Stephen A. Smith becoming the highest-paid employee at ESPN, reportedly making close to what was it, Des? $10 million? $10 million. Eight to $10 million eight, is the rumor you might end up getting. Eight to $10 million. That's what Stephen A. Smith is pulling in. And to me, I'm less interested in having the discussion, should sports media types make as much as say the first overall pick in the NBA, Zion Williamson's probably going to pull in, or the, he he makes the same salary as top flight coaches like Coach K and whoever in college basketball. I'm less interested in covering that angle as much as I'm ta- interested in talking about how his path to becoming the face of sports media. ESPN is the mothership, as Dan Patrick says in the mornings here. But... He is the face of that, and his route to becoming that is 
pretty incredible when you think about it. I don't know anybody else who's been given those kinds of opportunities that Stephen A. Smith's been granted after having failed the first time. He was given the Stephen A. Smith show, and it didn't work out. And after that failed is when the cold pizza first take experiment started and he blossomed the second time around. What do you make of Stephen A. Smith and his path into becoming the most prominent sports media member in the eyes of ESPN financially and seemingly being the face of the network? Well, first of all, the pride of Winston-Salem State University, which will dovetail nicely with our later discussion. Um, He's taken advantage of whatever opportunity has been thrown his way. And, you know, our business, like the world, changes, and, and technology changed it, has changed it very rapidly over the, the last generation. And he found the niche that made him a lot of money. I mean, nobody, we, we didn't scream at each other a whole lot in a show on TV until Stephen A. showed up. And whether you like the screaming part, he knows his stuff. He is able to get his points across and he is unique. And, you know, there was so much cookie cutter out there that he kind of shines himself. He stood out. He stood out. Exactly. And, and God bless him. He's made it work. Uh, and, you know, I begrudge nobody for, for making whatever someone will pay them. I mean, you know, what's somebody worth? What, it's what somebody will pay them. Well, what do you know about his ties to Winston-Salem State? Obviously, he went there, but the details I always hear, it, it's always something different every time I talk to somebody close to Winston-Salem State about it. What what he did with the journal, what he covered, how much he was paid or how little he, he was paid, if he was paid at all, stuff like that. What, what kind of stories have you heard? Well, I, I know I covered his teams when he played. There was, it was always the, the loud guy at the end of the layup line was Stephen A. And he tells a great story. You know, he blew out his knee. And this was at a Big House Gaines Heroes Award dinner going back maybe eight or nine years. And he was the speaker and said, I've never told this to anybody before, but I went back to my dorm room, locked the door, and I cried for a week. And then I went home, and he said he called Big House. You know, he was talking about Big House, and he said, I called – Coach Gaines up, and I said, I want to come back. And he's, and Big House said, how do I know you won't quit on me again? And so, you know, Big House was a big influence on him. He taught him that if he wanted to do it, he had to put in the time and, and be disciplined and, and follow through on his commitments. Um, I am not certain on his path. Once he started working at the Journal, Terry Oberly, who was the sports editor, I know hired him and gave him his start, and he – he, he credits Terry and Lennox Rawlings and the people who were in the sports department at the time for helping him on his path. I believe he worked at the High Point Enterprise for a little little while, ended up at the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, and and then went on from there and became the Stephen A. Smith that we and And we now, he, now he might be the most powerful media member there is in sports media. There's a chance of that. Um, and he's absolutely... I don't care what your opinion of Stephen A. Smith is. I've talked about it on this show that uh, the format of the show he does isn't what we're trying to do, but I'm not Stephen A. Smith. And 
there are a lot of people who try to emulate and maybe even imitate Stephen A. There's a lot of cookie-cutter Stephen A's out there <laughs> is probably the best way to put it. Uh, that's just not my thing. But he is the best at what he does. There isn't anybody who can put together a monologue statement to make a point, make a point in sports media with as much intensity, with as much passion as Stephen A. Smith has communicated it. So I did want to note it because a lot of people were talking about Stephen A. this week and with what you do at the National Sports Media Association. I was interested in your thought in it, but also the the, the Winston-Salem state ties it's worth noting, too. See, Dez, he, he's a huge fan of Stephen A. Smith. That's your guy, right? Uh, yeah, I, I look at Stephen A. Smith and Stuart Scott as two uh, guys that are huge influences to me and uh, things I want to do in the uh, sports media industry just for the trails they blazed as African-Americans in the industry and, and what they've done. I mean, you've, uh, you know, Dave just did a great thing laying out the path of what Stephen A. did, basically writing you know, short articles for the – the journal and the news and record here and you know look at him now you know what 10 maybe a decade later 12 years later he, he may be at the precipice of the entire field so he's the face of ESPN oh yeah and he failed 10 years ago he failed a little over 10 years ago and was given this second chance and has turned it into becoming the face of the network and that is unprecedented in its own right when you think of the faces of ESPN you think of Berman probably first and then after that, maybe Oberman and Dan Patrick. And then it's probably Stephen A. Smith. He's probably the next one. It's it's Stephen A. and Scott Van Pelt. Those are the two. And Stuart Scott. And Stuart, and Stuart Scott. Scott. Who also has ties back to Winston-Salem as, a, as an R.J. Reynolds High School mm-hmm. alum. And a, and a Carolina and, graduate. Oh, yeah. That, that, right. Oh, yeah. He went to North Carolina. And I there were rumors. I don't know what evidence there, there was of that. There were rumors, <laughs> and uh, I've, I've never, I was never able to confirm them. That he was offered the number three sportscaster job at WXII in 1988 and turned it down. And you know who ended up getting that job? Who? You're looking at him. So Dave. I, I may wow. have Stuart. Yeah. I may wow. have Stuart to thank for my career. Wow. But I was never able to confirm that. Dave so. Gorin huh. coming in strong <laughs> as uh, the man who makes it happen at the National Sports Media Association, sideline reporter for Wake Football. With the Wake IMG Sports Network, you are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, and WMFR High Point. We need to talk. 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 This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. The lowest form of communication. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Playoffs. Playoffs. Turn up. Yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to the playoffs, Des. It is a hockey state now. There's no Duke, no Tar Heels in the Final Four. Turn this up. It is a hockey state. Playoffs. I'm so excited. The Hurricanes were so awesome. And 10-year anniversary of them last clinching a playoff spot. And woo! I was at that game when they clinched uh, 10 years ago against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now they clinch 
in 2019 against the New Jersey Devils. Justin Falk got the game-winning goal. And, you know, the coolest part for me is this. The drought, it felt like to me it validated this area as being a hockey market, a legitimate hockey market. This this area, it, it takes criticism across the country. Pfft, really? Raleigh, North Carolina being a hockey state? Come on now. No one really cares about the Hurricanes. If you If you followed what that crowd looked like last night and saw the tailgating scene outside, which is unique to this area, this being a college state, we tailgate at games. Basketball, football, that's what we do. This state's never lost a tailgate. And um, we translated that to hockey, and we we have our own identity now. It feels like the Stanley Cup wasn't what validated this area. Anyone could sport a winner when the team's doing well. That doesn't define how strong your fan base is. It's when things aren't going well that things further take shape. And it feels like to me that the fans being there during this run after 12 of the last 13 years, ended without a postseason appearance following a Stanley Cup win. I think that that really validates what what this fan base is all about. And I'm interested in talking to Tom Dundon about that, the, the, new, the new owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Can we still call him that? It's been a year. He's not the new owner anymore. He's the, he's the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. How long is the honeymoon phase? Six months? A year? Probably. About a year. Eh, he's Probably. Getting, he's at the tail end. Yeah, he's not new anymore. So the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, will join us in in about 10 minutes. Our fan base is unique, and it, it's a special following that is gaining respect. We're, we're essentially, we're the OKC of the NHL. That's what we are. When the Thunder first got there, they were lucky to have Kevin Durant already on the roster, and they had a star already built in. The Hurricanes, they didn't have that at first, but then they got Ron Francis, and that really ignited the quality of the teams, and they made a run to the Stanley Cup in 2002. That was followed by another run and a Stanley Cup win in 2006 and a conference finals run in 2009, and that made the fan base loyal or at least built a strong enough base that they could withstand 10 years of not making the playoffs. There are many franchises that wouldn't survive 10 years of not making the playoffs. The Hurricanes did, and I think that says something. All right, let's get to the things we have to do on today's show. The Final Four is this weekend on the men's side and the women's side. The men's games will be broadcast right here on the Sports Hub tomorrow. I like Texas Tech and Virginia to win tomorrow. I think in that setting, in stadiums, Big, massive football stadiums like the one they're going to be playing in this weekend. I value teams that can win ugly games because I know the shooting numbers aren't going to be great. And you got great defensive teams. Three of the four teams are in the top eight defensively, according to Kim Palm, in terms of defensive efficiency. Number one is Texas Tech. So I think that's going to be a great game. At least it'll be a close game. Texas Tech and Michigan State. I value defense in close games. Texas Tech plays the best brand of it. Give me the Red Raiders to beat Michigan State. I don't think Virginia-Auburn's going to be close. I don't. Auburn's a great team that could shoot it, but it's only when they're dictating the pace. Nobody dictates the pace on Virginia. They're going to slow it down. They're a great defensive team. 
without Chuma Akiki. They got past Kentucky, and he might be just the third best player on the team, but you need all the shooters you could get when you're facing a defensive team of the quality of Virginia. So I think Virginia's going to win comfortably tomorrow. So I expect when we next talk on Monday, it's going to be a Virginia-Texas Tech national title game. But this is just me gasbagging about it. We have intern Aaron here who has already dimmed the lights for artistic integrity to give us the latest edition of poetry previews. Earlier in the show, he gave us one for Texas Tech and Michigan State. Now he has another poem that is, I don't know the title of it. It's for Virginia and Auburn. Intern Aaron, take it away from here. Des, make sure to accent him properly. I call this one Cinderella, Cinderfella. Those blue blood slaying tigers of Auburn crashing your fancy bracket party. If you ask Bruce Pearl, I'm sure he's not sorry. The Cavaliers were number one just last year. They raised no banners. They just exited the tourney early in a spectacular manner. These may not be the teams you wanted to see, but champions they all deserve to be Cinderella Cinderella That was pretty good They always deliver They do Every single time they do And we'll do another one of these for Monday They they get rave reviews 336-777-1600 on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad He doesn't pick the games that's what I like about him He just he throws it out there Cinderella it's almost like Cinderella. I could hear it like, you know how like CBS, they'll do something weird during like Final Four, or the National Championship. Like they'll have some guy like reading like random poetry or doing like a like a, a rap oh, or something. Like, like Tom Rinaldi <laughs> doing the, the, the pregame tease. Like give me the music real quick one more time. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> if the games were like in New right. Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're seeing like a montage of like Beale Street and all this stuff and like a horse just randomly in there. <laughs> the French Quarter <laughs> is known for its quirks. <laughs> but this is the time where you got to rely on Jalen Hurts. Ooh, did you just freestyle there? Is that what just happened? Freestyle. Well, I'm just trying to remember big games that were played in New Orleans. They generally host the big football games that are played there. I'll start calling you B-Rabbit. I thought it was going a bunch of jerks there. No, oh, see. Ah, ah so hey. that been a little bit better there. That's right. <laughs> so that's one element we have working on the show. Another element we introduced yesterday. Baseball season has already begun, and yesterday was opening day for the Winston-Salem Dash, and we carry a Dash game once a week every Thursday. And Joe Weil is the voice of the Dash, and we, we found a way to have our show, our audience, infiltrate our programming, our Winston-Salem Dash game that we get each and every week. Joe Weil has been nice enough to grant us a couple of movie lines to try and work into his play-by-play. So this is a way to have your voice heard on the Winston-Salem Dash baseball broadcast. Uh, So we we gave him a couple movie lines yesterday, and Joe Weil, he came through for us. Give Give me one tasting of what Joe did for us. 
The control issues do not get figured out for the Frederick Keys. It will be a long night. But seven walks on the night for the Frederick Keys. And if they're just staring at the walks right now, figuratively they're just saying, I wish I knew how to quit you. It's great work. Well done. Mm-hmm. Didn't think I was going to hear Brokeback Mountain on this uh, here baseball broadcast. <laughs> how about a little bit of Monty Python? The 3-0, way inside for ball four. And it's off of John Carrillo's right leg. It's just a flesh wound. And with that, there's a runner on first with nobody out. Polished broadcaster Joe Weil working that in. So if you have movie lines you care to add to our collection and have us peruse to throw Joe Weil's way, you can reach out to us on Twitter at SportsHub. Triad. The drive is brought to you in part by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. Start your weekend the right way by grabbing a pizza pie and a Graham Slam pizza to be specific. The Texas Pete base just gives you the heat you need with chicken and bacon on top. Visit them. Kinnaman Village Commons right off of Louisville Clemens Road. Order online at pieguys.com. Intern Aaron, every single time he's walked in out of here, he's left the lights down. <laughs> I and noticed then that. walks back in <laughs> to turn the lights Back up. It's like during this show, the lights and you're in there. I've just randomly gone all the way down, or then all of a sudden you just appear like out of the darkness while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> because we have to maintain <laughs> the the artistic integrity of the bit, even though we're on radio and no one can see that the lights have been turned down. It worked though, because I, I noticed while when you're sitting in the dark, you were more like kinda mellow. You're kind of just Giving them facts, you know? I was doing the same thing. You freestyled a little bit in there. It was like an alter ego. Lights came on and it's like, Josh Graham's back. Which do you prefer? Don't answer that question. (laughs) We've had a really interesting show today. Uh, Jessica Luther joined us. Does great work covering inequities in college football and college basketball. Uh, She's the one that uncovered pretty much all of the Baylor stuff with Art Bryles and uh, everything that went wrong there. So I give her a lot of credit. She was fantastic to have on earlier in the show. Um, Also, we had John Cusack on because why not? The great John Cusack was a guest on this program. The Best of Podcast, you can find those guests. SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, will join the show next on The Drive. Here we go. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. It really was North Carolina sports history. We saw at PNC Arena last night when you consider the fact that the longest playoff drought that we've seen not only in the NHL in active streaks that we've seen, but the longest streaks North Carolina professional sports have seen among the three major sports. That ended last night with the Hurricanes winning in the Washington Capitals, knocking off the Montreal Canadiens. The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, now joins us here on The Drive. You're on in Greensboro, Winston-Salem in the triad, Tom. I imagine it's been a crazy week. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, a lot of emotions for sure. 
there's a lot of things we obviously would like to ask you about with the AAF, but I understand legally you can't really discuss that yet. So we'll save that for another conversation and talk pucks for now. Give me a sense for what your stress level was like when when it's two to one, Hurricanes facing the Devils, the Capitals and the Montreal Canadiens also two to one, and both games are inside five minutes left to go. Give me a sense for what the stress level was like. Yeah, you know that that was finally when it started to seem, you know, by nature I tend to worry about things, and and so that was when both those things were happening. Um, it was a little surreal, you know. We're in the arena, and we have the other game on TV, and you know, you start you start figuring that that your chances are pretty good now, for sure. When did you allow yourself to think that this actually is happening now? We just did this. Yeah, you know, it's it it looked pretty good three weeks ago, and and so it's been a really hard three weeks, and you know, then it got to where you went from a ninety five percent chance to something less than that, and that was pretty uncomfortable. So it was it was pretty big relief just to like I think I think the team got what they deserve. I mean, you know, I said earlier you don't always get what you deserve in life, and they they did. So when it was over, it was nice. When you walked into the locker room. What what message did you want to deliver to that team at that point? You know, I don't obviously I don't deliver any messages in the locker room as much as you know individually. I just you know you thank the coach and the you know try to thank everybody because they you know everybody doesn't see how hard they work and how much they care and because they're professional athletes, you know we tend to we tend to maybe take for granted a little bit. Like they're so lucky, right? They're getting to play a kid's game for a job and they make a lot of money, but but you know. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't quite that easy and quite that glamorous. So I think my my main thing was I want to know I appreciate I appreciate them. When we first chatted after you became the team owner um, about a year ago or so, you you said that I, I'm going to lean on hockey people. I'm not going to assume I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I'm going to lean on people to tell me what things are like here and how things work in the hockey world. And with the Hurricanes having not made the playoffs since 2009, I'm sure you're, you're just hearing about how things have been the last decade, being told these stories and not having experienced it firsthand. So when you see the amount of emotion that was in the building in PNC last night, is there a snapshot that speaks to just how much a playoff appearance matters to this state in this market? Yeah, well, it's definitely the whole you know, the whole environment and the buildup, I mean, part of the reason it would hurt so much to not make it is because of that history, right? Because it's been so long. And if we didn't make it, it would have been the same old hurricanes. And when, even though I knew that wasn't true, you know, ultimately you had to have the results. And if all the fun things we did and every, all the hard work becomes a punchline, if you don't make it. So I think that made it probably a little more, sensitive right or a little a little better for everybody carolina hurricanes owner tom dundon is with us here on the drive you know because there's some markets that probably would not have survived a 10-year playoff drought if we're being completely honest and for as criticized as north carolina has been as a hockey market is there validation in the level of support we've seen this season yeah i mean obviously there's been more fans and you know the passion when they when the fans come and we appreciate the ones that come but our our job now is i think we have a brand and a product that people can be proud of and want to associate it with and we we have to get more support like we have to earn more support and i think i think we're doing it um so i think 
may, there might be a slight validation in terms of, you know, we've given OP a reason to show up and more people are engaging, but we have a, we have a long way to go. You know, all we can do is compare ourselves, you know, in terms of attendance and support. It's just, you know, you can, you can add that stuff up and we're not where we need to be yet, but it, we, we, we hadn't done our part up to now and now we are and I believe the fans are doing theirs from your view what do you believe makes the Carolina Hurricanes brand unique well I was I was pretty confident from the beginning that you know there was a good core here and if we you know things like having the great coach and good players and doing things a certain way that over time that we would prove that this is a this is a brand that people would be proud of and I I think we had to acknowledge up front, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, that, that that wasn't the case. And just because it wasn't doesn't mean we couldn't change it. And we're starting to change it. I mean, there's some work to do, but I think it's I think it's obvious that it's starting to change. And you know, you can't you can't force it. Time time will tell us if we did it or not. Tom, this seems like though it was taken from a Hollywood script. Ten years to the day you get back to the postseason, you do it with a coach who was the captain of the team at the time, the last time they went, and you come in, and in a year, and a year, with a new leadership team, with a new coach, many new players, and many guys who have never been to the postseason before, you find yourself getting into the postseason and having a chance to hold that trophy at the end, getting a chance to be a part of that dance. Did you expect that this would happen all so quickly? Yeah, it's tough tough question because I always expect to succeed I think you have to but that doesn't mean you always do and but yeah I knew we had enough talent and I I was pretty confident when we hired Rod that 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 was going to make a big difference um I, I believed in the players last year too and so um didn't mean we were going to get this result but yeah I was pretty confident in the process for sure and whether or not we made it this year or not I I would have felt really good about about the steps everyone's taken. I've talked to majority stake owners, minority stake owners for teams in the past, some of which who think that, you know, business is business and sports is just another business like other ones they've dealt with. But I wonder in your mind, now that you have a postseason product, how does the satisfaction of success in the business of sports compare to the successes you've had elsewhere in business? Well, it's interesting. I don't know. I think for me, it's, I I don't, I don't do very well when things don't go my way. Like I, I struggle with it and I want it, I want to fix it. So I don't, it's not that much different for me. This is just a little more public, right? People. And, and the truth is I don't have that much to do with the outcome. It's, It's the players and the coaches, but you know, mostly it's the players. Right. And so, uh, you get you, you're a lot less involved with the outcome in this business than any other business that that I was involved in. I'm interested in what it looks like when things don't go Tom Dundon's way. Say at an early age, were you an athlete? Uh, what what did Tom Dundon the athlete look like? Oh, I'm not a very good athlete. I'm a, I'm just a probably just a big baby to tell you the truth. Like <laughs> I I don't I just don't do very well when things don't go my way and. It's, it's a bit embarrassing, so I should probably not play things. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's fam- can family uh, family members vouch for that fact as well. Yeah, I think I think I've gotten better since I've had kids, but yeah, I, there's there, uh, there's many moments I'm not proud of how I 
how I've acted when I don't get my way. All right. How competitive are you going to be at around this time next week once you know who you're going to play and uh, when the postseason begins? You know, I think now I've kind of – yesterday was cathartic, and and now I can actually enjoy it. I wasn't enjoying it the last couple of weeks. I felt I, – I really felt emotional that, that the players and coaches deserved to be in the playoffs. And now – you know, if you look at it, there's 16 teams, and it's you're starting over. And in in seven games, um, the most talented team, the best team, doesn't always win. So now I realize that this is this is just to be enjoyed, and you you you've got a one in 16 chance, hopefully, of winning. And and so you wouldn't when you've got a one in 16 chance at something, you shouldn't get too upset, right? If it doesn't if everything doesn't go your way, but hopefully we can just enjoy that process. But I didn't feel that way about making the playoffs. I felt, I felt like we had to, where in this one, your Hollywood example, you know, if we, if we win, whoever wins the Stanley cup had a lot of things go their way. So you were enjoying the last couple of weeks because you would have been crushed. You expected to get to the playoffs. How crushed would you have been devastated? Is that fair to say if you didn't make the playoffs this year? Yes, that's very fair. Devastated may be an understatement. Wow. Well, Tom, you made it there. You got to the finish line, and that, or at least this finish line, and now there's another one that Rod Brindamore and the boys are setting, and that involves a big, shiny, large cup silver trophy over there uh, that they hope to win as well. Thank you so much for spending time here, and congratulations on the success doing so so quickly. We look forward to catching up with you sometime soon, Tom. Awesome. All right. Have a good show. Thanks. Got it. That's Tom Dundon. Carolina Hurricanes owner and somebody responsible for setting the culture, helping set the pieces in place in order for hockey to be relevant again in this state. And now the Hurricanes will be going to the playoffs. We just don't know where exactly they're going to be playing. Games one and two will not be in Raleigh. They're going to be on the road for the first two games, but hopefully it's not against Tampa Bay. If Columbus loses tonight, I understand. Columbus, much like Montreal last night, will be unable to catch Carolina in the standings. So if Columbus wins tonight, there's no way Carolina is going to have to face the President's Trophy winning Tampa Bay Lightning, who have the best record in the NHL, and it's not even close. So anybody but the Lightning, and that's a good place to be. But even if it is Tampa Bay, it's an achievement, and it's amazing that we've gotten to this point with Hurricanes hockey. It's a great feeling, and... I think it's the best story in this state. I didn't think a couple weeks ago, the Friday before the Final Four, we'd be talking a lot about hockey today because I didn't expect North Carolina nor Duke would be in Minneapolis. And to be honest with you, after years and years of disappointment, I didn't think we'd get to this point so soon with Tom Dunn and Rob Brindamore that we're talking about playoff hockey with the Carolina Hurricanes. Des, it is Friday? Tell the people what that means. Tell the people what it means. It's Friday. Friday means it's Life Hack Friday. Life Hack Friday! <laughs> is next. 